Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Of Theme Parks and Dragons, written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Paulina Logan. When I was five years old, my grandfather took me to my first theme park, a big neon sign arcing the entrance that read Jimmy's World of Fun, the sounds of screaming kids. I'll be honest, standing there holding my grandfather's hand, it was one of the most terrifying feelings of my life. Ready to have some fun, kiddo? My grandfather leaning down to my level, causing every bone in his back to crack. The locket that my grandmother once gave him around his neck. A golden sigil of a dragon on an oval of metal. I nodded. Even back then, I always knew when to lie. But the day wasn't half as bad as I had expected. Of course, at five, I couldn't make my way onto the loopers or the super spinners, but I had a blast riding the log flumes, the teacups, and the go-karts. My grandfather sat beside me on every single ride, and it's only now that I look back several years after his death that I realize how hard that must have been for him. He had been 85 back then, had suffered from arthritis, and died from a stroke not a year later. Every single bump, whirl, and knock must have shot through his body like glass in a tumble dryer. All testament to just how much he loved his granddaughter, I guess. It's all because of my grandfather that I became such a theme park enthusiast. (laughs) 
14 now. I'm practically a grown-up. Compared to the other kids in my school, I'm pretty fucking mature. They mock and laugh at me for my adrenaline junkie ways, but I hardly give a shit. To honor grandfather's memory, my mother organizes trips for me to visit theme parks as often as possible. She's now so far down the rabbit hole of her own illnesses that she can hardly leave the house anymore, so she organizes chaperones to and from the door like they're going out of business. At one point in my life, I wondered if she was actually just trying to get rid of me as often as possible, or if it was genuinely all for me. I chose to believe the latter. It's much softer on my psyche that way. Today's chaperone rang the doorbell, and I sprinted from my room to the door. I shouted a quick bye to Mom, who may have grunted something in return, and dashed down the path to his car. I paused before opening the car door, surprised by what was standing there. Your ride, Miss Abigail, the chaperone said in a voice I found oddly familiar. This is for me, I said, marveling at the gleaming black polish of the limousine. The windows were tinted, the silver of its detailing gleaming so brightly in the sun that I could see my own reflection from miles away. Indeed, a gift from your mother to honor your birthday. My birthday is over a month away. For the first time, I look at the chaperone, standing in a pristine black suit with driver's cap low over his eyes to cast a shadow across half his face. There was no smile at all, just a twinkle of the eye beneath the cap. He was long, slender, old. I shuddered, struggling to make sense of it all. My mother had minimal funds by any account. How could she afford this luxury? But, and I suppose that this is the most important question, where are we going? The chaperone ignores me and opens the door to the limo. My mouth drops open and I'm seduced by the blood-red velvet that lines the walls, the TV screens that litter the inside, the spotless silver buckets filled with ice, Red Bulls, and Cokes. My favorite song is playing over the radio and I giggle as I jump on in. The smile's so wide on my face that after the first few miles of the journey, it begins to hurt. When I eventually feel the limo pull to a stop, I hop on out before Clark yeah, I managed to get his name out of him on the ride over. To be honest, there wasn't much more I managed to glean from him. Could even touch the door. I run in whichever direction my instincts tell me to go and find myself at a large gated entrance to a theme park I'd never heard of nor seen before. At first, I'm frozen to the spot, confused. It doesn't look like it should be open. One of the gates is hanging off its hinges. The other is so rusty that the metal has turned the same color as some of the trees that were now twisting and winding between the bars. Is this place open? I mean, it doesn't really look open, Clark. I jump as I hear Clark's voice next to me. I had no idea he had even left the car yet. Yes, Miss Abigail, it most certainly is open. Your mother has arranged a special visit for you to show how much she loves you. The park is yours, and yours only for the entire day. My eyes grow wide with excitement. I look ahead and see a solitary woman in the ticket booth, back hunched, sunglasses covering her eyes. She waves me through without question as I sprint into the park, completely unaware of the broken neon sign that reads Jimmy's World of Fun.
I tried everything that morning, running as fast as my legs would take me. Despite all written warnings, I took selfie after selfie on the rides, laughing as the wind whipped through my hair and my skin was pulled back from the speed, the rush. A couple of times, I thought of my grandfather, and it made me smile. He lived to see his granddaughter smile. By early afternoon, I was out of breath and took a seat near a hot dog stand. Clark appeared next to me, as he continually managed to do. Whilst he didn't ride on the rides, he was somehow just always there, right beside me the moment I stopped. It was unsettling, really, but he paid for the hot dog, and that made the unease float away like big balloons. Why don't you come on something with me, Clark? What's the point in dragging a girl to a theme park if you're not going to have some fun yourself? Which ride would you recommend, Clark replied, his face straight, his expression contemplative. I pull out a battered park map from my pocket, and something catches my eye. Actually, I think it was supposed to. The fonts are bold, and the color is bright. This one, I say in awe, I have never seen anything like this one before. The picture showed what was essentially a roller coaster that had fucked a house of horrors. There was a line of kids screaming at the front, VR headsets on their heads, and blood painting the edges of the image. For the first time, Clark smiles, though once again I'm reminded of something I can't quite place. As you wish. We trekked over half the park to reach the ride. From the outside, it looked unfinished. Just as it had the last time you were here, a voice in my head mumbles, which I choose to ignore. My heart is thumping with the excitement of what's about to happen. I'm a horror nut at heart, though I often cover my eyes with pillows at the scary parts, but I love the tension. I love the suspense that comes from the fake reality of it all. I pull down my harness and prepare to place on my VR headset when I notice Clark has done neither. He's merely sat looking at me. Come on, gear up, I say. Children and young adults first, Miss Abigail, he replies, twisting to help me place the headset on my head. My heart pounds in my chest. A loading screen. Text appears. They're coming. Whatever your friends have you believe, they're coming. The digital black morphs into a world of lava and fire. I'm floating in the air, wings behind me flapping to keep me high. I turn to my left and my heart stops. had been sat, I see my grandfather. Only, he's nine years older now, skin barely clinging to his body, eyes so sunken into his face that at first I don't recognize him at all. He smiles a smile that years ago I had found comforting, but now fills me with dread. Don't look so shocked, Abby, he croaks. This is all for you. One last ride with old grandpa, eh? I scream as the ride begins to move. I tug at the harness and pull at the headset, but both stick fast. It's like someone soldered the VR to my head, and now it's a part of me. We round a corner, and the music ramps up. Suspenseful violins. The graphics are astounding. The lava bubbles and boils, and I can genuinely feel its heat. Grandfather chuckles, and I hear his teeth rattling. I don't want to look at him anymore. It's making me sick. 
There's an almighty screech, and suddenly I feel the ride pick up pace. We're hurtling downhill, and the thing that's chasing is growing louder, gathering steam. I chance a glance behind me and see it. The thing can best be described as a crossbreed between a dragon and a snake. Fangs as long as javelin poles, wings so large that I can't see the edges, eyes as vibrant and bright as the lava beneath it. I want to get off. I want to get off, I cry, feeling the tears in my eyes which do nothing to obscure my vision. I shake against the harness and feel it pull back, gripping me tighter, like the fingers of the dragon snake thing are pulling me back towards it. Please, Grampy, please. When was the last time I called my grandfather Grampy? Grandfather laughs. I sneak a look beside me and the skin has fallen from his face. It's flapping behind him like toilet roll on the back of a newlywed's car, his bone gleaming white, his eyes mere marble set within egg cups. He raises his arms. Ooh, isn't this wonderful, Abby? No, Grampy, no, please. I want to go home. I want to get off. The dragon snake thing is close. I hear its jaws snapping, feel and smell its breath. Whatever fucked up creation of a ride this is, the person should be shot, killed, gone forever. Through pure embarrassment, I feel myself growing red as I feel the piss gathering in the crotch of my pants. I can hardly breathe as the wind cuts into me. I turn once more and stare directly into the mouth of the creature and see nothing but my own demise. Grandfather lowers one of his hands and grips my thigh in a grasp so tight I can feel the bone threatening to break. His hand is as cold as his stare, is as cold as... And then we stop. The sensation is strange. For a moment, all I can do is sit and breathe until the dawning realization that the ride may begin again hits me. I scramble with the headset and manage to pull it off my head. I punch at the harness and jump off the ride, feeling the metal of the side platform beneath my feet. Clark, if you ever take me on another fucking ride again, I'll... My words trail away. When I look back at the roller coaster, Clark isn't there. Nor is the woman I saw in the ride's box controlling the buttons. But there is something golden shining from the seat where Clark had sat. Cautiously, I step across and pick up the locket, rolling it over in my hands. A golden oval with a sigil of a dragon. Just like the one my grandmother had once given Grampy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Theme Parks and Dragons was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Paulina Logan, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Kevin McLeod and Tom Robson. We need your help. 
The Other Stories, your favourite fiction podcast, has been nominated for Fiction Podcast of the Year by This Is Horror UK. If you'd like to help us take home the gold, then hop on over to www.thisishorror.co.uk forward slash awards and follow the instructions to submit your vote. And don't forget to tell your friends, because every little helps. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.